What's up, everyone? We're back for another week of Locked On Bucks. Justin's with me to start the week, and uh, we don't exactly have a great game to talk about. The Bucks completely blown off the floor by the Denver Nuggets. This game was ugly. It wasn't close. I don't know where that ranks, Justin, in terms of biggest losses they've had in recent times. I'm sure you'll have the stat. We'll get into that. But they lost by 36 points. Perhaps the most interesting thing about this game was Giannis and Drew and some of the comments they had after the game. I think that's going to key our conversation here today, particularly when it comes to the defense and some roster stuff. So we're going to get into that. Uh, let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Uh, you can hear and see me on this show daily and also find my work over at ESPN. Joining me from the Bucks Radio Network, I uh, co-host of this show at least once a week. A familiar voice on face, Justin Garcia. And we always thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first listener of every single day. Now, we didn't have a post-game pod. Uh, usually when we don't have a post-game pod, Justin, I start the tweets start rolling through and people are, where's the post-game pod? Why don't, why aren't you guys talking about it? Some stuff came up yesterday, but I think we can take a hint that there wasn't all that many people that were scrambling, searching, desperately looking for this post-game pod because the Bucks lost 136 to 100. Do you have the stat? Was that their biggest loss since how long are we talking here? No, I mean, I, I did the same thing as uh, as you did last night where it was, immediately you think man this is the worst loss since oh that's right they were completely run off the floor in the second game of the season this year where i think that heat loss was 42 so oh god yeah i did the same thing last night where you're like oh that's right it was that bad so how soon we forget they had another loss like this this year how much did they lose when you said game two i thought you were going to say game two against the brooklyn nets i know that was playoffs but how much did they lose they were down by 48 they were down by yeah 48 or 49. Yeah. Um I think they ended up losing by high 20s in that maybe it was like 30 something but yeah it was nearly 50 at one point in that game. All right, so we can get into the post game stuff when we're going to again. There was really interesting comments from Giannis, interesting comments from Drew related to the defense. Uh but Mike Budenholzer after this game, uh, let's just say that you know, he's always pretty short and sharp after the Bucks lose. There's no doubt about this. But I think there was a little bit of extra sting in his tail in this press conference, should we say that? Uh, there was some one-word answers. Uh, he just had a general look of being pissed off on his face. He was not happy at all. I think a lot of that extended to, oh, obviously, the scoreboard. But what contributed to that, and whether it was the effort levels, whether it was the... Uh, the eye test, uh, the desire of this team to really scrap this game out once they sort of fell behind early... Uh, but for those that have watched Nikola Jokic against the Bucks, for those that have watched the Denver Nuggets a couple of times at five serve four and play, I wouldn't say that I was completely stunned that this is the way it panned out. They were 23 for 43 from three yesterday. Jokic had the 15 assists. Go back to 2020, they were 22 for 46 from three. From three. Jokic had the nine assists in that game. Uh, let's just be real. Nikola Jokic destroys the Bucks. The 
he does. He rips them apart every single time. He's such a unique player. He's had some just monster games against his team. Yeah, he had uh, eight assists in the first quarter, I think, and that's only the second <laughs> time in his career he's uh, had an eight-assist quarter. You had to really pay attention because he, he came out with like two minutes left in the first quarter, and he sat for the first half of the second quarter, too. You kept looking to think, when is Michael Malone going to bring Jokic back? So I think that was the only thing that deterred him from getting a triple-double in this game and by halftime. Because remember, he did that the final time these two teams played at the Bradley Center. You were probably at the game where Jokic, Giannis had a triple-double as well, but Jokic had a triple-double by halftime. So we've seen him have quite a bit of success against the Bucks in the last, what, four or five years. He just had everything he wanted. And, you know, we we heard and you alluded to the comments that uh, that Drew and Giannis made after the game, some of that reminded you a little bit of some of the commentary we heard last year early in the season after the Jazz game and the Mavericks game too, where Drew Holiday really started to push for, hey, we got to switch more and I'm comfortable doing this and this is how you have to defend some of these teams. And gradually the Bucks started to do that. We heard Drew and Giannis both basically saying, we can't double Nikola Jokic. And I think the most perplexing thing was they were just caught in no man's land all night. Whereas you watched it, you thought, okay, if you're going to double him, you have to aggressively do it and do it early. So he doesn't have time to find the open man and already see what's starting to set up around him that the Bucks just kind of went through with a half-hearted approach to it that if you're going to do that, and again, Wesley Matthews, for as good as he's been, if Wesley Matthews is who's defending Nikola Jokic, and I understand you don't have Brooke Lopez, you don't have a whole lot of depth at, at the center position, but if, if Wesley Matthews and Drew are the primary defenders, he's a seven-footer. He's going to be able to find what he wants over those guys, and then if you're delayed and double-teaming, it's just going to lead to open shots, and, and that's what we saw all night. So they kind of they, – they did neither of what you have to do. You either have to aggressively trap him and double him early or just play him straight up, and, that, and that's basically what we heard Drew especially say after the game last night. So Jokic finished this one with 18 points, 9 rebounds, 15 assists. He only needed to play 28 minutes. Uh, Giannis did have the 29 points, 9 rebounds. Uh, so, you know, he got his numbers – in the end of this game. But I think if you were looking at this game as a Bucks fan, if you care about the MVP battle, uh, let's just say uh, the points went to Nikola Jokic in this one. There's no question about that. Uh, he might be the front runner right now. Jokic and Embiid's playing really well uh, at this point as well. But, you know, I'm not, if, if you care about that, uh, not a great night for Giannis in terms of where he stands going up against another big man. Uh, he spent some time defending Jokic as well. But I don't... You know, it's interesting. There was just one play that, I mean, I was watching this game and every time there was any type of screen action involving Jokic, to me, I don't know what it was, whether the, whether they were kind of confused, whether they were just generally displeased with the coverage or they weren't completely locked into the game. But there was a credible amount of breakdowns. And the one play that stands out to me was is in the first quarter, it was in the first few minutes, uh, Jokic and there was a ball handler had the ball. Uh, he goes around the Jokic screen. 
and you had Bobby Portis and uh, the Bucks guard. I'm trying to trying to think who it was now. I, I, I think it was Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen, it was. Yeah. And then they both just uh, with the ball handler there. He just flicks the ball back to Jokic at the top of the key. All of a sudden, Giannis feels like he needs to dive out to Jokic on the perimeter. He lunged at Jokic, and Jokic is like, "All right, I'm just going to flick this look away, one hand, left-handed pass to Jamichael Green." He finished the layup, and it's like, "All right, well." If you're going to get defenders out of position, and I think this was the point that both Giannis and Drew were making, the second you have someone even slightly out of position defensively, Jokic is just going to find the guy. Like You, you can't yeah. give him that option. In that instance, you almost would prefer, well, you may as well shoot the three. We'll give you a little bit of space. We can't give you the opportunity to find a guy uh, under, under the basket there. So I'm not sure whether... It, they were trying to play drop coverage on the ball handler, whether they were trying to double the ball handler in that situation, whether they were supposed to switch and Bobby Portis forgot. I'm not sure, but there was a lot of that throughout the whole night. And yeah, not a not a banner night for the Bucks defense. Let's say that. Well, and there was a there was a couple of instances as well with um I don't remember if it was the the sequence you were talking about or uh, later on in the second quarter where it seemed like it just happened a handful of times that the Bucks defenders, they just got caught flat-footed and just watching the ball and watching what Nikola Jokic was doing. Chris Middleton was was victimized on it, and I think a Jamichael Green play where he cut to the to the basket when it was two or three passes after Jokic caught it that you just can't do it when they're moving it that much. And it was kind of reminiscent of playing the Warriors, how much the Nuggets were always moving off the ball. And I think that's what jumps out to you the most when you rewatch portions of that game or all the game is um, to the point that Giannis and Chris were making afterwards, Nikola Jokic was never looking to initiate offense in terms of scoring. Every time he caught the ball, he was immediately looking to pass. And it's almost as though Denver saw, here's what the Bucs are going to do. They're going to try and uh, somewhat double team you. So as soon as you catch the ball, just look for an open man and he'll be there. And that's what Jokic was doing all night. So there was nothing you could point to and say, well, the Bucks at least did this well, that the defense was just a total disaster. They were crushed on the boards again. And, you know, the thing that's really stood out to me the most in this month, but especially the last week is they've had a lot of turnovers and early in the month, you could, explain it with all of the issues they had in the backcourt. I mean, you didn't have George Hill last night, but you were down Grayson Allen at times. You were down George Hill. You were down Drew Holiday. And we saw the strain that put when Giannis and Chris basically had to do everything offensively. So you could kind of explain some of the turnover issues, but these, you know, two times now in the last week, you've had those three guys on the floor and you lost. So two of your five losses with them have come in the last, what, seven days here. Um, I think it's 78 points off of turnovers in the last three games that the opponents have scored, which is not great. Yeah, I can see the facial reaction you made. Three straight games where the opponents had 20 or more points, and the only one of those games you won was against the lowly Knicks. That's tough. That's not a great stat. Uh, I would say a lot of the times for a team that tries to foul uh, a low amounts of times, but it's one of Bud's big things and also turnovers, uh, he is, probably could contribute to why... Uh, he wasn't too happy, and it's a bit of an unusual circumstance. But people think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes. So we're talking about taxes now. Uh, the Bucks owners, they know a little bit about taxes at the moment. But for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. We all have unique lives, whether you have invested in crypto for the first time this year, own an up-and-coming small business, 
or a raising rambunctious twins. I'm certainly not in that category. Luckily, TurboTax Live has experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes for you from start to finish. They help you get every deduction you deserve, no matter your unique situation. And you can talk to a TurboTax Live expert through your phone or computer without leaving your house. TurboTax Live experts are here to help you however you need. And if you need an extra hand, hand your taxes off to them and they'll do it all for you. So TurboTax Live experts, uh, to them, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. That's TurboTax Live. New ad read there. Just good to get through it. But uh, I'll tell you what isn't a new ad read. That's uh, friends at rockauto.com. They've been sponsoring the podcast for a long time. And with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure after pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse might happen to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save the time, save the money. You can save up to 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts that you would get in a chain auto uh, store, chain store, and you can do it right at home on the website. The prices are reliably low for everyone. So just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box today? Now we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com uh, so we are just over a week away from the trade deadline and uh, locked on will have you covered with the trade deadline show I'm not sure how much the bucks are going to be involved in the trade deadline but check it out uh, you'll see it on all our Twitter feeds you'll be able to get it on YouTube the locked on YouTube channel so make sure you check it out that's the trade deadline show. Uh, we might talk a little bit about trades later on this episode because Giannis did have an interesting comment uh, in this press conference. But let's stick with the with the defensive comments from Giannis and Drew. So you've already hit on it. They basically both said that they believed that they should have just uh, defended Jokic one-on-one, made him score. It reminded me, going back a few years ago, because Drew Holiday specifically brought up Kevin Durant. And he said, look, no disrespect to Nikola Jokic. But he's not going to score like that man. And he didn't say Kevin Durant, but he was talking about him. He said, we took him to seven games. We've all heard PJ Tucker talk about it. Uh, look, we've said it. Durant averaged 37 points in this series. His efficiency was incredible. Yeah. He had an amazing series. But PJ Tucker still gets all the credit for the grinding, for the scrapping, for the physical play. And so the Bucs do have a blueprint in that scenario so you can understand why they would say why are you giving the chance for arguably the best passer in the game to have all these open windows these open lanes to pass so i totally understand it it reminded me when i was uh, first getting into the media game justin and longtime listeners of the podcast will remember this but you know for most people certainly for me when you get the opportunity to talk to these nba players for the first time it's a pretty nerve-wracking experience you get a little bit nervous you're like what should i say am i going to sound like an idiot I was in San Francisco. The Bucks were playing the Warriors. And they used to practice at this place, uh, the Olympic Club. It's a very fancy facility in the middle of San Francisco. Not the type of place that I would ever be allowed in the doors under typical circumstances. You've got these rich people. They're in there. They're just trotting along on the treadmill, looking ridiculous. And the basketball 
venue is just beautiful, like glass from floor to ceiling. Anyway, fantastic place to go. So I walk in there. The only two players I knew were Dally and Thon Maker. I was comfortable talking to those guys. They knew who I was. It's fine. I can talk to them. Anyone else? Very nervous. I'd never asked Giannis a question in my life at that point, uh, any of those guys. But you can just sort of go up to the players and talk to them. So I saw Jason Terry sitting over there. I'm like, all right, I'll go. We'll go talk to the Jet, see what he's got to say. And I asked him a similar question about guarding Kevin Durant. And to be honest, I think he did think I was a bit of an idiot. He's like, who's this Australian guy coming over and asking this ridiculous question? And he said, what do you think? He said, you think you can actually stop Kevin Durant? It's like, you can't stop Kevin Durant. Stop everyone else. Make him score. They're going to get their points from somewhere. And it's kind of the same type of thing with Jokic. Like, think about it. What's the most he's going to score in a game? 50 points? 55 points? 60? I mean, it would be an incredible individual performance. They're still going to need to get 50 points from other players. And if they're shooting contested shots, obviously that's the theory. That's the idea here. The thing with Jokic is, though, that there is no player in the league that is like Nikola Jokic, and the Bucs only see this man twice a season. I was listening to a number of people talk about the way the Cavs kind of dismantled the Bucs last week, and there is a theory out there from some people that over the course of a seven-game series, the Cavs might be able to be beat, but when you only see a team that is so unique in the way that they play a tall lineup, and a one-off regular season game, it could be like, what the hell are we playing against? Yeah. And Jokic is like the individual form of that. So first of all, I'm not dismissing the way the Bucks played yesterday or dismissing the defense. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you wanted to look at it on a positive lens, you could say, well, the Bucks probably know in a seven-game series if they got to the NBA Finals and were playing Jokic, they would probably have to defend him differently. They can't continue to do that. Were they trying some things? I don't know. It just looked like terrible defense to me. But we have seen this team through last year try different things, have extreme struggles. And then things tightened up towards the postseason. I I don't know what the benefit would have been other than winning that game. When you look at the standings, the Bucks probably need to start winning some games. Would you would you go with that approach? Like I can understand why the players are frustrated. And I don't know if this makes any sense, but in terms of going the approach that you would probably go in the postseason in a regular season game like this and say, okay, well, let's make Jokic score 60 in a random January. How did you read into all the the frustration from the players? Um, You know, I I don't know. That's, um, you know, last year... It was an easier takeaway, I think, that what we referenced earlier in the show with uh, Drew Holiday specifically talking about, hey, we got to switch more and we got to do this. That was easy to see. Okay, here's the frustration of we're trying to figure out how all of these new pieces fit in. Here's what Drew's comfortable with with doing. And here's what we can all kind of see of you got to switch. They have the personnel for it. They should be doing this more. And, and why are they so resistant on it? When I looked at this game and you listened to some of those comments afterwards, I think it was just partially a cell phone and frustration, but also uh, uh, somewhat similar, but mostly just we're seeing the frustration seep out of whether or not this is a team saying we're going to coast through the regular season. We we saw that we can do this last year. There's no need to overexert yourself in the regular season or not. I think part of it was just frustration of they look at their lot in the Eastern Conference and say, we should be better than and especially when you look at the month of January, it's kind of is the glass half full or is the glass half empty where 
as you look through the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia won tonight without Joel Embiid. So I think they go 12 and three in January. The Sixers are 12 and three. The Cavs go 11 and three. Those are the only two teams in that contending range that played well in January. Uh, the Bucks were seven and eight. It's the first losing full month they've had under Coach Budenholzer. Um, the Nets were six and ten. The Bulls were five hundred. The Heat were okay. I think they were nine and five or nine and six. But you look at the East and you say, okay, is it a good thing that we struggled and went seven and eight when it seems like everybody else struggled too? Or is this a bad thing where you look at it and you say, man, we really had a chance to jump back towards the top or in the top of the conference and add some separation, and we let that slip by and. We can't play with fire here that this conference is still ridiculous where it's separated by you have to get to, I think, 13 before a team is 10 games or more out of first place. And it's just four and a half separating one through six right now that it's it's or one through seven. It's insane. So I think part of it is frustration, too, that they know January was a pretty good opportunity for us, especially with the amount of home games and the schedule that we had. And we had a losing record. It gets much more difficult in the back half of February and especially in March where not only do we play a lot of good teams, they're mostly road games. So I think it was mostly a lot of frustration uh, from themselves and just from the position that they're in that sort of seep through after the game. So, and Frank tweeted this. I think he tweeted it during the game. It's a shame the All-Star break is three weeks away. That might be right because the Bucks do look like a team that need a little bit of a break. But when you try and decipher what that frustration means – I'm not. I'm kind of torn, and I'm kind of split down the middle. Whether I think that there was some frustration at the way they were being told to defend, or there's frustrating uh, frustration with the way they executed. Because uh, to me, watching that game, I'm not sure I'm willing to say, yeah, it was Bud's fault, or yeah, it was the players' fault. Yeah. I think combined, everyone probably walked away from that one and said, okay, that's not the way we want to be playing basketball. But I do think when we talk about this team needing a break, needing a rest, I think there's some relevant stuff. Giannis said something interesting uh, regarding the team and the makeup of the team. So we're going to get to that after I talk about Bet Online. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net, that's BetOnline.net, has way more odds and info for this playoff season. Of course, there's only one football game left. But uh, from the scores, the totals, player performance props to where the next five coaches is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting moving forward. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one wagering destination. That's BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Giannis was asked post-game about the lack of bigs on the roster. And he basically bluntly said, well, yeah, me and Bobby are the only bigs on the roster. And again, he declared his desire for Brook Lopez to return to this team coming forward. But we are only a week and a half away from the trade deadline. Uh, of course, there is some strong thought for obvious reasons, given the back uh, the Bucks' lack of trade assets that potentially... The actual roster ad might come after that period in the buyout market and, and things of that uh, things of that nature. But we do, and look, many people scoffed at the Lakers last year when they talked about fatigue. 
including myself. And a lot of that is just fun because it's, it's fun to scoff at the Lakers when they're struggling. Let's be honest. But Giannis did hint to the fact that it's starting to get hard work. You know, you're at the end of January. We're moving into February now as we're recording this podcast. He's been asked to play more center than ever before in his career. He's been asked to defend guys that he hasn't had to before. We've all marveled at his work as the kind of the the uh, the freelancer on, on defense that can be the help guy, the best help guy in the entire league. But the physicality of what he's been asked to do this season, I do think is starting to take a toll. And probably also on Bobby Portis, who's playing a role that, to, the, to an extent that he hasn't had to before. We have a YouTube commenter. I don't have the YouTube name. I should, I should have done that. But he's been jumping in the comments multiple times over the last week saying, Giannis isn't playing enough. He needs to play more minutes. Look at the other superstars in the league. And I haven't responded because to me, the, that idea that Giannis should be playing more is a very funny one, given you consider the load that they've had, the the shortened off season that they played, the fact that he is carrying injuries. We know that, including knee soreness that he gets through every game, the physicality he plays for. The last thing you want to be doing if you're Milwaukee is playing this guy more, I think. And that's where the delicate balance of what this team is trying to achieve this year is going to come into it. Because I don't think, I don't think it's simply the Bucks deciding we can coast. I yeah. think that we are seeing a team that is that is starting to struggle with the nightly grind of bringing it every single night, particularly when they don't have the reliability of Brook Lopez on the defensive end, who's been the Iron Man that's been there every single night. So you mentioned the seven and eight record in January. The Bucks were sixteenth in offense, sixteenth in defense. Their net rating was basically flat. Yeah. Negative point two, I believe it was. But unlike the start of the season, where all the metrics said that if as long as Giannis was on the floor, this was a dominant team. It wasn't the case in January. They played 431 minutes. The net rating was just plus two points. So it's not what it was in double digits at the start of the season. But the defensive stuff is a concern. Drew Holiday in January, uh, the the team's defensive rating was 109. With Drew on the floor, it was 114. So I, I just... I think it's something to keep a watch on. I think Frank's right. I wish the All-Star break was coming up here in a week, even though Giannis tries too hard in the All-Star game anyway. Not too hard. We enjoy it, but you know what I mean. He might not get the rest we need, but this team does look like it needs a rest. And yeah, of course, they probably need another big man to help facilitate that. Uh, But it's something to watch, and I think it's a very real reason for some of the games you might look at and say, geez, the Bucs look like they're coasting. Are they coasting or are they just tired? I don't think they're coasting. Um, you know, it's a, it's. I think the question is more: Are you more concerned, or do you have more panic, or is it more frustration when you're when you're watching what this team is doing? For me, it's still frustration more so than panic. There's a a, a little bit of concern, and that concern basically just revolves around Brooke Lopez and when he can get back. Because as as we've seen here, yes. Giannis is going to play a lot, especially at center in the playoffs, but you need to be able to get there and you need to to have a plan B, even if it's only for seven minutes. And we've seen Bobby Portis can't be the only plan B that you're going to have to play teams differently in the postseason. So that would be the only piece of concern I have. I did see some other people um, referencing it was right around the same time last year that we really started to see some struggles with this team. And that's when some of those comments uh, started to come out too of this team needs to switch more. And they were tinkering with some things defensively. This isn't necessarily the same. 
where last year you could see they're playing zone more. And I know they played zone more this year, but they were trying it for the first time last year. They were switching more and they were doing things differently. So that kind of spoke to here's some of the growing pains are going through. And, and oh, by the way, 50% of the roster was new this okay. year. You had most of the same guys coming back. The big wrench that was thrown in there is now figure out how to play a majority of the season, all of the season, basically without Brooke Lopez. When coming into the year, we said, I feel pretty good about the talent, but the only concern you would have is there's not a whole lot of depth in the front court. So if they have an injury, they could be in trouble there. And, and we've seen no Brooke all year, Giannis and Bobby have gone down. So I, I don't think it's a case of them coasting. And especially when you see some things that they've always dominated, they're really struggling at in, in January. I think they only won the rebounding battle six times in those 15 games that they were out rebounded. I think their team percentage was, 48%, which is just insane uh, when you see what they've done. Traditionally under Bud, defensive rebounding has been terrible. They've never been great except for last year on the offensive glass, but they've been really bad defensively on the glass. And again, this just magnifies how important Brooke Lopez is there, that as soon as he arrived, we would talk about the impact he makes on rebounding. And, and if you weren't familiar with him, you'd just look at the box scores and you'd say, he has six rebounds a night. How can he be that good? But then you saw Giannis's numbers rise, and the Bucks routinely had around 80% rebounding rate on the defensive glass, and this year they've been at like 70%. So I don't think it's a matter of coasting. I think it's been some personnel issues. The playoffs are going to be different, and it's kind of what we learned the last couple of years that, yeah, you're great in the regular season, but there are some things you can do differently in the playoffs. And I do think that's an advantage that the Bucks have, that I would still take that trio even if Brooke doesn't play over a majority of these teams that we're seeing catch and leapfrog the Bucks, But again, you still got to get there and you have to be able to throw different looks out there. And the thing we've noticed this year is as this roster is presently constructed, they basically just have one style that they can play. Last year, you played multiple different ways. This year, that hasn't been the case. It's going to be a fascinating few weeks to see where this all plays out. And then, moving ahead to see where Brook Lopez is. But, you know, I think last year I spent most of the season saying, I think this team's pretty good. I'm not convinced they can win a title, though, because winning a title yeah. is really, really effing hard. I feel the same this year. I think that they can win it. I think it's going to be really, really hard. And if I was a betting man, I would say they probably won't. Hopefully they prove me wrong again, but it's going to be an interesting a couple of months here. And and like most teams, as we're seeing, you rattled off some of the records for these teams. There isn't a lot of room for error for uh, not just the records, but in terms of health, in terms of what you can do, lineup versatility-wise. And once you get past the trade deadline and these rosters uh, kind of cemented, then you got what you got and you got to hope for a good run. So we'll see what the Bucks can do. Uh, but there's no doubt about it. They are in a rut right now. Uh, they got the Wizards tomorrow, Justin, or today, as people are listening or watching this. And speaking about a team in a rut, you don't want to lose to the Wiz. You do not want to lose to the Wiz. They're 23 and 26. They've lost five in a row. They look awful. We'll see. No Bradley Beal. So that I don't know if that's good or bad because, again, the Bucks have struggled against those teams in the, what, like 9 through 15 range in the conference or 9 through 13 range. Okay, well, I think it's still good. <laughs> as Beal averaging 75 points per game against the Bucks in recent yeah, years so it's up there but Chris has played well against the Wizards too so maybe this is another Chris Middleton uh coming out party I'm with you though um 
I feel very similar to how I felt last year. Obviously, P.J. Tucker just changed everything for the team last season. But, look, they're still one of the two or three teams you'd say, okay, this is, what, one of the five teams you'd point to and say, this is probably one of these five groups of teams or five teams is who's going to win the title this year. And I still put them in that mix. I don't want to undersell Brooklyn for the same reasons we're saying about the Bucs here and some of these struggles they're going through. You're still going to have to defend Kevin Durant and, and Harden and we think uh, Kyrie Irving. Miami's, uh, you know, what we talked about at the end there where the Bucs have really only been able to play one way. Miami can play different ways. So they continue to linger there and and be a, a concern. But we had Tim Bontemps on our, on our airwaves uh, earlier tonight, Monday, when we recorded this. I don't know if he was just pandering to the Milwaukee market, but Tim Bontemps still said, look, I know they're struggling. I would still pick the Bucs to win the East and to win the title this year, but it's it's going to be a tight race. That's what happens when you win a championship. All of a sudden, everyone thinks that you can win it, even if you don't. But we keep it real here on Locked On Bucks. And if you go back to the postseason run last year, you can find at least three occasions where we declared they probably it's are over. winning the title. <laughs> and they still did. So it's only February 1. So I'm not willing to rule it out, uh, but we'll see what comes over the next few weeks. It's a grind. If you want to bet on the Bucks, though, now might be a good time. Listen to our guys at the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Steele, and they'll have you covered for everything you need there. As always, anything we discussed on today's podcast, you can get me on Twitter. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, which you should be, and subscribing, you can see it there, at Kane Pittman. You've got at TMJ Garcia as well. So you can let us know... Uh, your thoughts on anything we said today. Of course, the YouTube comments are always firing on all cylinders. Very passionate fans, which we love and appreciate. Uh, but the Bucks and the Wizards play tomorrow. We'll be back. There will be a post-game pod. Uh, so we will speak to you guys then. But for myself and for Justin, take it easy. We'll catch you guys after the game.